begins now. Capital 263. Welcome to Politics and Beyond on Capital 263. My name is Christopher Farai Charamba. And I'm Tawanda Henry Beatty. And as always, you're listening to the best political podcast in the country. Yeah, by virtue of being the only one. <laughs> Still, but you know, it counts for something. <laughs> um, so yeah, today we have a very special guest, um, uh, Honorable Mr. Maliswa. How are you today, sir? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. After I was uh, chucked out of parliament. Today. <laughs> yeah, that's what we wanted to get straight into it. <laughs> I was watching, and then they went to you know ZBC. When something controversial happens, they always go to black, and then uh, they go give some commentary. The next thing, you're no longer there. What happened? No, I think I just had, uh, uh, stood up for a point of order where I said to the speaker, "I think we're wasting a lot of time on trivial issues when we represent people equally." I was trying to register my displeasure in that uh, both parties send lists for who should speak, and uh, and yet with me, they, <laughs> they never asked for my name, so I told them, I think it's proper that I give him my, my name moving forward. I'm, uh, I'm an independent candidate, so I'll never be taken care of by both parties, so I must really look after myself and probably create my own list too of those who are <laughs> independent. And that's what you got thrown out for? Yeah, and then of course MDC went on, I think. Uh, Honorable Tabitha uh, Kumalo, as usual, she says to me, I'm Lacoste, and I said, but Lacoste are people, are they not? Unless uh, it's otherwise. <laughs> so then I told them, they say, you guys are always complaining, that's why you lose, you know, because you talk too much in parliament, you don't work on the ground, and uh, if you can't beat Zani PF, why don't you join them? <laughs> so that they're not happy with that. <laughs> I think we'll, yeah, we'll get into that um, on the issue of the opposition and why you say, as you said, they always lose and what they can do to become the governing party. Um, but going back to some of the issues that were being spoken about in Parliament today, um, one of them was the issue of the biometric voter registration, the acquisition, acquisition of, of, of the, the biometric voter registration. I think it was Honorable Coupe who brought up the point with the vice president about the the process behind the purchasing of those biometric uh, the equipment. And I think on online for us and on Facebook and Twitter, it's been an issue. Kuti, the narrative right now is that the government has taken over from UNDP in purchasing these this equipment. I don't know if, because uh, I didn't get to watch it or hear the vice president's answer to that. Listen, I think it's, it's just a waste of time to really debate on it. I think you know that government in any normal situation should always be able to fund its own elections. That, that's important. And government in this instance said we've got the money. And of course the, the, the whole uh, uh, controversy is from suddenly you have money to buy this BVR equipment and yet you have no money to support other programs like health and so forth. Why now? But I think what is critical is that if there's an arrangement, an agreement which is there, which compels UNDP to be the sole producer of that or, or maybe the, the people who should buy it, then they should try and uh, challenge that in court. That's what, well, that was my thinking. I mean, the, the, the last resort is the courts. You go to the courts, the agreement and say, government is not supposed to purchase this. But outside that, then uh, we continue and let's see how it goes because I think that's not, that's not much of a concern for me. I think there's a lot more that we must be concerned about. 
more of the reforms, the vote buying, the violence, the intimidation. I think they should be asking the government what it has done to deal with that. Okay, so you don't think that um, the opposition fears that somehow by the government having their fingers all over the the voters' role, they might somehow, I don't want to use opposition words, to nikuv the next election through that voter registration process? Because my understanding is, Kuti, the voter registration, the voters' role is gone. They're going to have to start afresh. And if already the voters from the machines to the process are going to be controlled by the government, then you're already at a massive back foot. But to me, why don't you allow the whole process to, 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 to start? And then you can then try and challenge certain things along the way. You can't just speculate and rush as usual. This Nikuv thing, this rigging thing, is something that is in people's minds, it's something in the, in the minds of the, of the opposition party, which really, to me, doesn't make sense. I have won elections. I won in 2013 against MDC resoundingly. There was no, there was no uh, rigging at all. I won against ZANU-PF in October. Again, there was no rigging again. So you're just talking to somebody who's practical, who does not believe there's rigging. But the reforms are in terms of violence, intimidation, and vote buying. That's what I can su subscribe uh, the vote rigging to. Not, not the BVR absolutely. In fact, if there's anything, it actually makes the whole situation easier and more accountable at the end of the day, where you don't have the same people coming to vote uh, because right now there's going to be a picture which can identify the person, the so-called, you know, people voting who died and now somebody is, is voting for them. That stops. So let's look at the system. Let's try the system. And if it's not working, let us try and, uh, and bring those issues up along the way. Right now it's a bit early. Government is pretty clear. Everyone is watching government, how they're going to go about it and saying no. And government is smart. It realizes that it also plays a psych the psychological game so it works for them to say we are buying it and it's not UNDP so there's now unnecessary havoc op opposition, they now lose focus on mobilizing on the ground and then talk uh, focus on the BVR Okay, so let's uh, go straight into the issue of um, the 2018 election because in terms, in the political arena it is what everyone seems to be the main focus um what needs to be done or what do opposition parties need to do to get to win 2018 election they need to work <laughs> 2013 elections i worked everybody in urungwe wants to tell you that that's the reason why i got 4000 votes uh, and zanu pf at 5000 plus but this is in this this 4000 i never campaigned for them it was the work that i had put in it was a very violent election a lot of electoral reforms needed to be looked at but come 20 October again, I worked hard 2016. So it's all about work and strategy. And I don't see that being employed by the opposition party. Neither do I see that being employed by ZANU-PF at the same time. I don't see any of the MPs working hard on the ground. And I think the presidency is critical. What do you mean by work? What, what exactly does work entail? You've got to be a servant of the people. You've got to come up with your own method your own policy, how you're going to develop the constituency or the ward that you belong to. Let the people buy into it. Tell them why you're different from the party which is there. Tell them why you're different from the candidate which is there. In fact, let's talk about the candidate more than the party because the candidate is really the person 
who you are having to challenge at the end of the day. And I think that you start early doing that. You are visible on the ground. You are taking part in the programs. You are seen to be doing something. If you are for education, how much are you putting in in terms of resource-wise building structures that ensure that the education facilities improve from a health point of view? How much are you looking into assisting the, thing, the, thing, the, 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 the clinics in the area? Mother's shelter, for example, that's something that every clinic, hospital must have. Most of these places in the rural areas don't have that. And you building that certainly gives you that mileage that you need. Infrastructure, the roads, how much are you into it? How much are you putting in into ensuring that roads are graded and that they remain in you know, roads that everybody can use? These are some of the issues which you look at which are critical to people's lives. Agriculture in rural areas, how much uh, help are you giving from a capacity point of capacity building point of view in terms of the inputs? Are you there? Are you able to explain to people that this is a government program vis-a-vis -a, -vis a party program? People complain, but Zanin PF is giving people things. But what are you doing in educating people that know the presidential input scheme is a is a, is a government program which the president is actually uh, uh, is, is actually embarking on to deal with food security. Are you on the ground to say that to people? These are the issues which I talk about. So, but from from the sound of it, it comes off like you say. Uh, what can you do in terms of um, grading roads and that sort of thing? It sounds like you need to have quite a lot of money to be able to convince people, because otherwise it's just rhetoric. I can be on the ground going door to door and telling people that this is what I intend to do, but how do you actually? show people that you have the capacity to do it. But you are present on the ground. You are able to talk about the government policies to them, whether there is a meeting, you're contributing successfully vis-a-vis -vis what the councillor or the MP or the party promised people to do and did not do. If it's the 2.2 million jobs, you're able to bring those issues up at a meeting where people are listening. But you also proffer a solution. You, you and your solution is up to your strategy. I'm talking about my strategy, how I go to the people with the limited resources I have. I'm able to put together a plan that ensures that things that I'm doing are tangible at the end of the day. My belief is pretty clear. It's either you're physically there, you are, you, you are born in that area, people know who you are, and they know that once you go to parliament, you'll be able to represent them. Or you come in and uh, you then develop the place because it's about development. So development requires resources. So I don't want to separate <laughs> development uh, and not say you must have resources. Yes, you must. You can't, you can't go to the ground without resources because clearly, are you there to serve people? Are you there to serve yourself? So the question of resource is important. I got into politics because I believed I wanted to serve people. And I think I have... Not, I'm not wealthy, but I'm comfortable at the end of the day to be able to spare a bit of my money for my agricultural proceeds to be able to put it towards corporate social responsibility. So that's basically how I did. That's why I contested in Urungwe West. My constituency is Urungwe Central. That's where my farm is. I could have stood there as a DCC chairman, as a provincial chairman. I could have picked any constituency I wanted, but I decided to go to constituencies which is about 120 kilometers away from me because I felt these people were marginalized at the end of the day. Your heart must be in it to serve people and not for you to be served by people. Yeah, I think um, uh, your point there is really important, especially for youth, because it goes back to resources. If youths want to get involved now, a lot of us, because of the economic situation, just will not be able to compete resource-wise um, but some points that you did bring out there about being on the ground, being visible, and those kind of things, 
um, obviously, you know, we, we listen to that and we hear that, but um, do you think there's other ways um, that uh, perhaps youths can organize? I mean, you've got Yard and you've got Third Force, which two seem both, uh, you know, two different things at the moment. But, you know, Third Force seems to be suggesting that you need to have resources if they're going to support you. You need to, you can come as an independent and they'll give you support in terms of strategy and that, but you need to also be able to resource your election. But for youth, you know, we don't have even the basic necessities to do that. So we're either going to end up being ultra radical or, or trying to get into one of these parties um, that really have not given us any solutions this, thus far. You see, yeah, there's got a seven point plan, which you have to work on to generation 65, 60%, 70% of the population is youthful. That's not reflective on the voters' role. So you have to work towards that. In working towards that, you need to have a body, you need to have an association, you need to have a grouping in this respect yard, which will look at the voter registration, voter, uh, voter education, voter registration, voter inspection, also participate protecting the voter and equally being able to be able to dictate the way the voters should vote because you are young and you have the numbers. And uh, that's that in terms of going to the high schools, you're able to also go and mobilize young boys who are 16 and girls 16, 17, who you know that in two years' time they'll be 18. What are you doing in terms of conscientizing them? So if you put those numbers together, but the issues about an organized youth, not just a youth which is all over, and yard brings those youth together and we're very clear on one of our obje objectives which is participation in elective office and yeah. we were pretty clear so those that and de de belonging to different parties so the issue is that those that uh, uh, believe that they are ready they must then contest in the party they belong to that's the reason why contrary to what people thought that yard be a political party it will never be a political party we are excited by seeing young people coming through YAD, going to the political parties, standing as legislators or councillors. That's an achievement because they will certainly say we came from YAD. The third force is clearly participation. And from an independent point of view, saying that if there are any of those in YAD who don't believe in political parties, who want to be independent candidates, the third force is there for that because they, because they have no home. So we have to create a home and equally with what is happening politically, how many people have faith in political parties? How many people believe in political parties? 2013 to now, even with the ruling parties and IPF, there's been more in-house fighting, more factional fighting than the very same manifesto that they promised people that they'll be able to deliver at the end of the day. So with that, you have an opportunity to say we're looking for leaders who don't have to be associated with parties, but who are developmental and leaders who are going to turn around this country, who have credibility, who don't have a record of being corrupt, because most of the leaders in these parties are marred with corruption at the end of the day. And you've got to understand it's a, it's, it's a, it's a cancer which has affected the running of this country from an economic point of view. Oh, that's correct. Um, just still on, on the third force, you, you're saying it's independent, um, uh, but uh, I think you called him uh, the commissar of third force, um, had the interview uh, Godfrey on, on Monday, um, and he was seemed, he was wearing a shirt that was wearing, son of PF is my choice. So, it, you know, from, you know, an independent perspective, uh, particularly for those that do have resources, business people, uh, businessmen um, that perhaps might want to take uh, some of their local areas, whether it be Mbarde or Malbrane or these, uh, you know, urban constituencies might think that, well, you know, I won't be able to to win my urban constituency as a third force uh, with the support of the third force because of, 
you know, those associations, previous, past or, or, or future. Um, so, you know, for me, I was always wondering about that. Could he, once it's said that we're third force, we're independent, how independent are we? That's, very, that's a very uh, interesting observation. I'm going to clarify this. The Zimbabwean people must be very clear in what they want. Okay, you cannot go forward without a component of ZANU-PF. ZANU-PF is the ruling party, and there is no way that you cannot afford to take away from them to be in power. We must understand that there are factional fights in ZANU-PF. There's Lacoste, there's Gamma Talks. I'm a victim of the factional fights. I was labeled Gamma Talks, supporting Mayim Juru, and so forth. So what is the strategy the opposition has in lowering one of the factions to them? They have no strategy. They don't trust us because we're in ZANU-PF. Yet, pretty much, they've got to understand that they cannot penetrate the ZANU-PF strongholds without us. So we've decided to then group up and be ourselves the war veterans who are critical in any election, even from a ZANU-PF point of view. ZANU-PF won elections because of the war veterans. The war veterans are no longer with ZANU-PF right now. So we've decided to say, okay, let's go on the ground. Let's go for free, fair, and credible elections by ensuring that there's no violence, by saying to the people, this is a social healing aspect, even if they're saying that there should be no violence, Choose who you want. The old versions are saying we were in Zani PF, we're no longer in Zani PF, so you will not see us bothering you or fighting uh, or being violent or intimidating or advocating for anything which is more of electoral malpractice. We must go ahead and ensure that there's a free, fair, uh, credible election, which is what they fought for multi party democracy. So the question that I have to the opposition, besides them being crybabies, what, what, what option? do you have and what solution do you have and what strategy do you have to go into the rural areas where 72 percent of the electorate is where zani pf controls are you gonna go there wearing a white an mdc t-shirt are you gonna go there wearing a zim people first t-shirt are you gonna go there wearing a pdp t-shirt or you prefer somebody who was in zani pf like myself was a chairman in march west and was in control of the 22 constituencies. There are 21, of course, uh, minus Chinoi, which belongs to the opposition uh, MDC. Uh, you need me to go and talk to those people, especially now when they realize that my ouster, my expulsion from ZANU-PF was from a personal point of view. Uh, I never wanted to kill the president. I won an MDC constituency, which is Urungo West, to give it to ZANU-PF and to the president. So with time, people start knowing the truth. So to me, they, there's a talk that we will divide the vote. But I am more than happy not to go to any rural constituency if the opposition party says we are strong there and we're well covered, don't worry. The urban vote will swing with who controls the rural vote. You've got to understand that. It's the same thing as Norton. Ward 15 is rural in Norton. Everybody in Norton said to me, how are we doing in Ward 15? Because they realize that this is the very same ward that made Mutangwa win uh, 2013 and that made MDC lose because they were, uh, it's a ZANU-PF stronghold. And mm -hmm. the question that, have you penetrated? And the moment that they heard that I'd penetrated, they were becoming more confident because they knew I'd win the election. So the question is that the person who controls the urban is it likely to influence the outcome of where the majority should go, or is the person who controls the rural where the majority are? This is where we need to be very honest with each other. So let's not cry on issues which we all know very well, and then we end up saying the election was rigged, when pretty well there is nobody. I mean, not on right now. I don't see anybody from ZANU-PF contesting. I don't see anybody from... MDC. I don't see anybody from any party. I'm on my own. I'm cruising on my own. And you're telling me they come 2018 
You're going to be standing in front of people and saying, vote for me. I'm going to say, where was he? And what is he going to do? Because I'm busy embarking on programs right now physically. What are they doing? And all I have to say, this is what I did. He knew he wanted to be in power or she wanted to be in power. She did not or he did not do anything. That's good enough for me to win the vote of the electorate. But let's, let, let me ask a question. How, how feasible and how easy do, is it to embark on programs, especially in the rural areas where um, ZANU-PF has a stronghold as an opposition candidate? Is there not the intimidation and um, the, the, the bureaucracy and the red tape that stops even NGOs from actually going out and serving people in those areas? Isn't that one of the problems that a lot of opposition candidates will face when they go out there? Good example. 2008, how many constituencies did MDC win in the rural? Did it not happen before? Yeah, it it happened. I think they won. <laughs> it happened. They controlled the majority. <laughs> they won Midlands, ah. Mashingo, Manikaland. Manikaland did about 20 and so forth. So we are talking about something that happened. So how did they do it? And how come now they're a bit worried? <laughs> they went to the chiefs, I think, the, the last time. The chiefs and the traditional leaders as opposed to the war vets in 20, uh, 2008. No, but my point is that you've got to be strategic about it. You just don't go to war without a strategy. Yeah. Why, why go into Iraq to start a war when you don't know <laughs> the exit, when you don't know where the exit is? First of all, check around and see the exit so that when the war is hot, you, you use the exit to be out. So to me, what strategy do they have? The war veterans are no longer in ZANU-PF. Who's engaging them? Who's talking to them? The third force has decided to talk to them. We look at people like Shingi Mnyeza, who are a straightforward leader who I believe who do a lot in serving this country is a nationalist, is a patriotic, uh, Dr. Nkosana Moyo, Mtuli Nguwe, James Makamba. You've got Strive Masiwa. You've got people who have investments in this country, who have stood by this country during the tough time, who to me are leaders. Do we need them to, 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 to do slogans? No. Who will be mobilizing? Who will be campaigning for them? What we need is an economic blueprint which will definitely mirror um, beat the one that ZANU-PF has and equally have people who are going on the ground talking about it because there's the aspect of the economy that how do you convince people that your, your, your being in power is better than that of ZANU-PF. So we've got people who are like-minded, who are nationalistic, who are patriotic, even within ZANU-PF, who are willing to also work and be part of the third force. So you've spoken about these people, um, Kosana Moyo, uh, Shingi Minyeza, Strive Masiwa, have you already engaged them and what is the response so far from them in terms no, of me, being part of the third force? To me, these are people. These are people that I'm thinking about that this country must engage. There should be a grouping of people that engages them. And at the same time, we don't have to be disrespectful of the president or what he has done for this country. I've always said that the, the confidence I have as, as a black man is because uh, the president instilled that in us and the education that we all have is because of the president. If you look at the land reform, I'm a beneficiary of the land reform and I'm, I'm, a proud, I'm proud of it. It's been able to sustain me. It's, it's economic empowerment and I'll not say no to it and I'll not be as foolish as people who want to, who are not able to separate a government program and a party program and now they're all crying that we don't have farms but who's told you not to go for the farms? Because you said, no, my party doesn't believe in the land reform. That's good for you. Some of us went, went for it as a government program. Indigenization empowerment, the implementation might be wrong. It has to be broad-based, but these are issues that you can deal with. So no one is going to get into power and, uh, and try and belittle 
what the president has done, if there's anything improved on what the current government has done moving for the founding principles of ZANU-PF are great, the founding principles of the opposition party are great, do we need to change them? No. What do we need? It is the actors that we need to change. If we have people who are not corrupt, you know, ZANU-PF supporting corruption, this is where I differ with the president that he must walk the talk on corruption. Professor Moyo is there and now is now being pushed to aspect of factionalism when pretty clearly he is being protected by the thing status quo. These are some of the things which are against ZANU-PF moving forward. Unemployment, the inability to deal with, co with co corruption, they'll pay dearly for that. So, you know what the opposition would then say is that if they're united, or we want the opposition to be united, some of us, if they're united, if there's a coalition, then they can better articulate as a, as a solid block these issues, you know, your corruption, you know, the education, the economy, anything like that, all these issues might be better articulated behind one single unified force. But, who, but who's the unified force? That we must ask ourselves, what do they have? If Can I tell you the three uh, opposition parties in parliament? There's MDCT, there's Welshman who has got two or three votes, and there's Temba Melissa Independent. So I actually rank third. Who else? <laughs> who else? So let's be clear, your power as a political party is your representation in parliament. But Not in your structures. Your representation in parliament determines how powerful you are. So I always wonder when all these talks, coalition talks are going on and say, but where am I in this? I have one seat. All these parties, some of them don't even have a seat. They don't even have a word. So, so why are you talking to them? If you're approached by Code uh, or Nera, for example, you know, these two to sign or to become part of it, would you... We were, we, were, we, were, we were part of Nera. We signed as part of Nera. Okay. As Yard, we signed as part of Nera because we believe in working with any progressive force. But equally, we must also see who you are, what you have and so forth. We are not excited about parties just for the sake of parties. You've got 50, over 50 parties, but who are they? Wife, husband, and so forth. Should you now be in power on that basis? No. Let us, let, let us take scrutiny. Let us scrutinize who really you are. Have you contested an election? No. You're waiting for reforms. That's fine. So while you're waiting for reforms, you're, you, you absolutely have nothing. <laughs> you have nothing. So don't come to us and say, no, sing the same MDC song. We are waiting for reforms. You've never been contested in an election. So what reforms are you talking about? Take part in the election. reforms, no reforms, no election. election. You think we're just going to give you power that easily? We are not stupid. We are not blind. But uh, ZMPF is uh, contesting in these by-elections since... Yo, you, they, they've only started, but uh, the honest truth, you saw what happened in Bikita West. They were supposed to penetrate the rural areas, and fortunately, you know, fortunately for them, my jury is no longer part of the party. The people who've remained in that party are hardcore Zanu PF who can be understood. My jury lost it because he incorporated a lot of MDC or a lot of opposition people in Zim People First. Bringing Spepa and Como on board in Zim People First is not an achievement. He was always opposition bring Kasukuere, bring somebody in the structures of ZANU-PF, then you say you are making uh, inroads. Uh, inroads. I mean, she was now surrounded with opposition uh, uh, party players who have also been, uh, who, are, who are equally spent forces because of their factional in their fights and so forth. You believe that the best way to deal with Matabliland 
is to have Ndebele there. That, to me, we've got to question how many people are Ndebele? What is the percentage of Ndebele people? Most of the people in, in Matabeland are actually not Ndebele, if you look at it at the end of the day. Most of the people in Harare are not Shona, if you look at it. So it's lacking facts, understanding. The Matabeland region is not forceful and is not powerful when it comes to the politics of this country from a numbers point of view. The determining provinces are Midlands, Mashingo, and Manikal, and where the numbers are. Then you go to Mash East, you go to Mash Central, you go to Mash West. Then we, we can talk about other provinces and so forth. Then you come to Harare, which really everybody owns Harare. Blawayo, everybody owns Blawayo. Much North, much South. So let's be clear, and this is where people must understand that I pay attention to figures and to detail. What is the percentage of the, of the Ndebeles? What is the percentage of the Shonas? the Kakarangas, and so forth. That tells you who really controls uh, most of the things at the end of the day. But isn't that now taking things to a, to a tribal level in terms of... Um, it's, it sounds quite tribalistic, actually, and you've said a number of things in your press conferences that come off as being very tribalistic, and that doesn't that... Isn't that a defeatist strategy and one that serves to divide people rather than unite them going forward? I'm just being honest. It's always been tribal. There's really nothing. It's always been tribal. Look at in terms of the pre-presidium pre pre today. Look at the Karanga people who represents them after Mzenda. So do you think they are happy? We've got to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm come from the middle. I'm Karanga. Uh, Josiah Tongo Garawa's Karanga. He came from this, the, the Manikal and people Nasamanyika. Herbert Chitopo was the fourth war. Morris Nyagumbo, fourth war. When they went all the way together, but when it comes to the sharing of power, you cannot have one tribe. Because what happens that every other tribe which is not in power will gain against you and will take you out. And it is tribal, and I'm being honest with you, and I'm not going to waste my time. But is it tribal from the top, or is it tribal from, from the bottom? Because as leaders, maybe it's better that, fine, you can recognize the reality that, yes, there's tribal tensions, or there's people do make these considerations, but if the leaders that are there negotiating in these positions choose to ignore that, then you know, as leaders, the people will follow. So is it tribal necessarily? Yeah, fine, you know, my Sekuru Kumusha will say in terms of Zuru and that matters to him. But in parliament, in the halls of power, in, in the governance, when it comes to making some of these decisions as leaders, then is it not then uh, 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 your responsibility to be, uh, you know, it, to be above that? Yeah, you are, you're supposed to be above that, but uh, are we really above that? I think this is from the top, if you look at it at the end of it. I'm giving you figures here, and I think, in fact, okay, the president is from Mashonaland. The, the, uh, the, 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 the vice president, Nangagwa, is from the Midlands. The vice president, Mpoko, is from, um, is from the, is from the is Matibulan region. Uh, who's there from the, from the Samanyikas? But you, you, you can't fit everyone into the no, presidium. But, but, but my, my point is that before that, but, before, <laughs> but, but, the, but there's got to be regional balance. This is where you talk about the balance of power. The balance of power where every tribe must be represented. That's what you call balance of power. Lack of a b b balance of power. So we must have five or six people in our no, presidium. No, no, no. There's going to be the, if, if, it is, if it means rotation, now let it be so. We are, we are a region. We have regions, four regions. They must be represented. That's the balance of power. It's called the balance of power. I suppose that's why devolution is such a big issue in, in particularly in Matabila and about balancing the power and the exactly. influence in, exactly. In, exactly. in the country. But I don't know, I, I think I've always found uh, regional and tribal politics to be retrogressive. 
um, particularly for us, my youth. Um, I know, I mean, Chris always says Harare is not Zimbabwe, and that's something that I'm only finding out now. But I never grew up in a situation where I was very tribally aware. And I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast and perhaps a lot of people that are listening to you and looking for leaders, um, whether in the diaspora or whether locally, are just looking to find some kind of... Uh, I don't know, hopeful message as opposed to the but, politics but, but of you, the politics of division. But, 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 so but, a lot of the, the things that you do say are facts and are very are things people must listen to, especially political leaders. But for facts. us for us we are looking for perhaps a message of unity, a message of hope, maybe not necessarily from no, you. But, 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 but you me, can tell you can tell Morgan behind or Changre or, or, no, or no, Dr. But, but, Madhu but behind me, closed but, doors but, but, but that me, they're not working. But, but to me this is where we've had it wrong. You want politicians who are going to appease you. You want politicians who, who will tell you what you want to hear. Unfortunately, I'm not that kind of politician. I can see how, how, how moved you are by this debate from a tribal point of view. I can see Chris saying, are you sure you're saying that when I'm at work, I'm at work, but I'm able to separate work and facts. These are facts. There's going to be a balance of power. You know, that's, that's something you must understand. How does the balance of power come about? It's tribal. There's regionalism. You've got to appreciate that. When people went to war, they came from all areas and uh, their parents sent their kids. They would equally want to see their tribe also you know, dominating at one point. That's, that's a fact. It's a, very hidden, it's a very hidden issue which, unfortunately, you know, most people don't talk about but exists. Okay, so let me ask this. How do you get rid of it? How do you move towards a situation where, as you said, back in, uh, during the war, people came from different tribes, they came together, they came together for a purpose, there was a unity uh, up until a point, as you said, the sharing of power, up until the sharing of power, there was a unity. So how do you get this unity back? How do you get rid of the issues of tribalism and move forward progressively uh, as Zimbabweans rather than identifying ourselves as belonging to this group or being from this place? Can I tell you, during the land reform, do you realize that there's some other generals in the army who served in Zipra? were not allowed to go into Marsh West because they were told they don't belong there, but they, they are the ones who liberated Marsh West. Are you aware of that? I was a provincial chairman. I had to assist a lot of them to get farms, but they fought in that area. But somebody says, no, you're not from here, you're in Debele. Go to Matabelen and get a farm. But this is a person who liberated them, who liberated the, 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 this country, and you're telling them where they should be. I mean, it, it happened, and, 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 and to me, these are facts which I'm putting across to you. We've got to go to the founding principles of the struggle. What was the struggle about? Was it for one man, or was it for all of us? Was it for Zimbabweans? Yes, if it was for Zimbabweans, what was supposed to be? One man, one vote, democracy. Allow people to exercise their votes. Allow people to choose, to elect who they want in a free, fair, a credible environment so that the election is not to be credible. We need to go back to that. This was this is what they went to war for, multi-party democracy, so that you don't force people. This is reality. This is true. Has that been exercised? No, there's been a lot of violence in politics in Zimbabwe, and it has become cultural. We have inherited the violence from the liberation struggle 
into this era, which must stop at some point. That's the reason why there's no point in being violent. What are we doing to stop that? MDC is violent. ZANU-PF is violent. Every political party is violent, a culture of violence. To me, this is where we need God to come in. This is where we need people to talk and say, listen, we cannot fight, we cannot kill each other to be in power because we are undermining the very same principles and values that make us Zimbabweans, that build the Zimbabwe that we want. We cannot force people to vote for somebody when they don't want to. These are the issues that we must go back to and address. You should be free to stand for an election anyway, knowing that is, the environment allows that. Is it a culture of, of violence or a generation of violence? It's a culture of violence. Could you perhaps maybe the generation that was, you know, went to war and then just below that, perhaps are the ones that still have these, these attitudes? Because, for example, yourself, you, are not, you didn't go to war. You don't believe in violence. You don't believe in that same culture. Um, you know, Chamisa, for example, from what I've seen, denounces violence at every turn and doesn't seem to be someone that has been implicated in situations like that. Uh, is it not just then a generational thing? No, so but look, it but becomes then for our prerogative to, to, to get rid of the, 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 the preceding generation and all of their cultures and all of their beliefs because, you know, when we're young, everyone's idealistic. You know, a lot of people were communists when they were at university. A lot of people were, were you know, were, were Marxists when they were at university. As you grow older, you become more jaded. And even if you were in the war, you were, they were all young at that time and they were idealists. So they've lost some of that idealism that, made, that they perhaps had as young people. And the ultimate solution is just to get rid of the whole generation. Um, and that goes from opposition to the ruling party to... You know, including, like you keep saying that we need the war vets um, as a magic bullet, perhaps um, as a constituency that is being ignored um, for the opposition, for anyone to win. Um, but perhaps we don't need them. We need to get rid of the, the mentality and the influence that they still have. No, there's got to be transition. You've got to mix. The only people that legitimately uh, are, are, are said to have supported the struggle are the war veterans they're able to go to the rural folk you must understand and work with them the fear that they have when they see the comrades mkoma coming they respect they respect mkoma more than the party they respect mkoma more than any other institution mkoma was instrumental and so from mkoma and so forth so you've got to understand that's a stigma which is still there from a mental point of view. You talk about Chamisa, vile, uh, the violence, denouncing it, I denounce it. But how do you separate myself and the party that I belong to, which is violent? How do you separate Chamisa from his party, MDC, which is violent? You put you in charge of both parties. But my point <laughs> is this. Rid but, of the people. But, 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 but my point is this. While we, we, we speak that, You've got to understand that you can control people. That's the reason why the most difficult thing for me is to have been in Zanu PF because you're tainted with, with violence. For me, especially being a rugby player and so forth, people think by nature I'm violent. And so forth, being a rugby coach by nature I'm violent. You don't Doing, help yourself when you challenge ministers to boxing matches. You know, to me, to me, it was to, 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 to think raise money. <laughs> to raise money for, for charity, charity boxing matches. In, in the National Sports Stadium. <laughs> Have you not heard of the challenge between Ted Turner and, uh, and uh, uh, what's this guy owner? Uh, Rupert Murdoch. 
for a box a charity for, box, yeah, they, 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 you know one controls cnn one controls sky and they say listen they've been shouting at each other they decide listen let's just have a boxing match we fundraise and the money goes to charity that, that's what i was trying to do okay but um you you mentioned a couple of things uh one of them was that we need people to carry this message uh, a new message that um remo- removing or moving away rather from violence and talking about transition who are these people where are they found um there's been they are these activists that are out the likes of Ivan Mawarire uh, and this flag movement um oh yeah Fadzi uh, Mahere uh you have Shingi Munyeza uh, are these the kind of people Patsun that Zamara, you No listen Shingi Munyeza is is more experienced the other guys yes I realize but from a po- po- political point of view there's also immaturity which they must understand they must grow okay being an actor in Harare does not make you an actor in Murombe in Urungwe and so forth that's a different area for different people and this is why I've said they failed to penetrate that this flag if you go kumaruzeva or no but flag ipiacho flag yenyikere flag ripachikor the only flag they know ndio ripachikor mureza and so forth. What was the message this flag had? They don't understand that. Fadzaima Harish is an advocate, uh, articulate and so forth, but does the message get to the rural folk? It doesn't. They don't, they're, they're not on social media. They don't have smartphones. They don't have the money to buy data bundles when they are still looking for money to pay schools. So in terms of priority, social media is not priority for them. Smartphones are not priority for them. So Ivan, it's good they are back on board, but I would like to see Ivan taking up a constituency. Because change comes through parliament. I would like to see Fadzai taking up a constituency. I'd like to see Patson taking up a constituency. When those guys take up... Two of up those con- three have said... But, 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 they, I'd like, uh, but I'd like to know which constituencies they're going to be um, standing. I because think Dr. Patson is... Um, what's it? Highfield? Well, yeah, I think it's Highfield. No, Highfield, yeah, yeah, I've spoken, yeah, I've spoken yeah, to Patson psychology, about that. Yeah, yeah, psychology. Yes, I've, I've spoken to Patson about that. It's very keen. But it's also not about talking. Eh? How much <laughs> are you doing on the ground? You know, you've got to understand that. People must understand. People must see you. You are coming. You are new to the people. You need more time. That's what I'm saying. How much time do we need to say that we you, people are going to beat Zanu PF? Because you know, uh, any ruling party supported by the state, whether you like it or not, Obama was was an Air Force One when he was busy support, uh, campaigning for Hillary Clinton. No one ever said anything. So if the president is using state resources to campaign for his party, equally you must not say anything because that goes with the job. <laughs> that goes with the job. So we must understand that and separate issues. When it's Obama in Air Force One, when it's Obama campaigning for Hillary Clinton, a Democrat against a Republican, no one ever said anything. No one said he's using state resources. It's, it goes with that. It goes with the office too. So when you're dealing with a ruling party, it's not easy. State machinery is part of, of, of the party, if you must understand that. But so, so who? Um, you've, you've said that these guys are politically immature and you want to see them taking up a constituency. Who are the people you, are ta- you say can lead this change, this transition that is needed in this country? There are already MPs who are in parliament who are worried that uh, representing their parties will be a problem. We're talking to them, we're engaging them, especially the young ones. The other issues that if you see young MPs, why should you contest if they're prepared to then see the change and be part of the change? If they're not prepared to be part of the change, then we, 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 we think we think, we think, we think co- 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 contest. You, know? you cannot just want to take over a team and fire every player. So it, people it, like it uh, Honorable Chipanga, 
Yeah, my, he's going to be talked to. He's young, but he's going to be talked to. At times, what he has to say goes with the position and with the party that... I mean, those guys are whipped. You've got to understand that. But if you ask him, you know, the future the party has with what is going on and what he has done as a youth leader in creating the jobs that ZANU-PF should, he cannot respond to you. You know, he's, he's totally... Uh, he's, to, he's, to, he's totally uh, uh, he's totally far from the reality of having to deliver for the youth. Giving youth stands without a job, is that what they want? Giving them maize and rice, is that what they want? I'm sure he himself would not want that, but there's no other thing but that to try and keep people with you. But people need just more than that. The resources that we have, the 15 billion that went missing, if that was, if that went into the fiscus and so forth, you know, uh, uh, Tendai Biti was very strong, the leader of the PDP, about that when his finance minister accountability and so forth. We should go back to that. You must not ignore that. Where did the money go? How, how come it was not accounted for? And all that. The aspect of accountability is key. So we need leaders who are prepared to account for every penny that they spend, who are prepared to account to the people. Parliament is also too big. Look at the, the, the proportional representation, women that we have. What are they doing other than just staying in our hotels and um, <laughs> wearing makeup, changing hairstyles? And, and you know, it's just, it's just, it's just, just an expense for the government. The executive, <laughs> the executive is too big because look at the problems women are facing and how many MPs are representing them in parliament. But, we but must understand that. You're like, not going to be very popular with, with women by suggesting that the MPs are, are only doing their makeup and staying in hotels. To me, that's the truth. I'm in parliament. I never see them de 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 debating anyway. On I never see them Only Jess is not pro pro proportional representation. Oh, okay. right. So you need to the MPs who account your constituency. That's my point. Those who don't account your constituency will not work as hard. So, I mean, you're in parliament now um, as we're wrapping up. Is that the end game? Because it seems whatever happens, whoever wins in 2018 at least from the people I've spoken to, at least from the demographics within the parties, um, that 2018 to 2023 is going to be transitional. And 2023 is where you, we might really see transformative leadership. So no matter who wins in 2018, whether it's the president um, currently, whether it's a leader of the opposition, whoever wins in, in, in 2018 is going to have a very difficult time holding on to power in 2023 so perhaps do you see yourself in another you know another five years in parliament working 2023 could you then see you as a, at the top of the ballot um or, or do you suggest that uh, you know the leader who might be transforming the transformative leader in 2023 might still be an activist might not even be in politics at the moment you see uh, let's not un uh, overrate uh, activists you see, that's, that's where we are going. Uh, social media activism, it doesn't work in Africa. It doesn't work in Zimbabwe. It can work with the NGOs. It can work with certain people to try Social media, it was very important in Ghana and Nigeria's no, last but, two but, elections. But, but that's Ghana and Nigeria. That's Ghana and Nigeria. This is that's Zimbabwe. Africa. And in five years, ten years' time, we might be where Ghana but, and Nigeria but, 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 are now. But to me, we've had social media 2020, uh, uh, 2013. It was still there. We were Baba <laughs> Did we not? Was that not no, social but media? the levels of penetration in no, terms of point, and cost Juka, of data Baba are very different. was effective. It would be unfair for you not to say that he was not popular and he had the message which everybody was listening to. But I think what is critical at the end of the day is to say this. We've got to be progressive. There are no permanent enemies. 
but permanent interest in politics. And we want to see a generation coming through. I want to see young people coming through. No wonder why the third force is pretty clear, but 50% of its candidates will be youth. We also look at the minority in this country, the whites, the Indians, they must be accommodated. Disability will be 10%. So we are going on with something which fits into the demographics of the country at the end of the day. And for me, yes, I agree with you. 2018 to 2023, that's transitional at the end of the day. And I think this is a time, this is the reason why I think the young people must contest in 2018. They have nothing to lose and all to gain at the end of the day. Because you've got to understand there's a time when Tafadzom Sekiwa and Job Sakala got into an election without no resource. But and so forth. So to me, it's also important that that is the spirit as a country that we must have. So yes, every generation must have its time to also be in office and so forth. But so are you running for president in 2018? No, no. <laughs> listen, listen. For me, for me, I'm an operator. I like to go on the ground. I like to mobilize. I like to come up with strategies of ensuring that we win and so forth. I'm a coach by, by, by I think, profession. But, you know, you never know what the good Lord has, uh, has for us up there. The, the lives that we live are determined by him and no, 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 not by us. No one ever thought I would win Norton. But today, you know, I'm a member of parliament for Norton. I'm an independent candidate against all odds, if you want to call it. But it was all about strategy. And remember, I want Norton because the war veterans were with me. The final contribution I want to make is that look at the Norton model. How did Temba win? Hate Temba, but don't ignore the model. Okay. So can you perhaps write a book for us so that when I... When we decide to contest, <laughs> we've got it on paper. <laughs> no, I, can, I, can, I, can, I can be talking to you guys. We must be sharing information right now. I think that to me is what is important. Not a lot of political parties put a lot of work in strategy, voter education, even training. If you look at my agents, there were yard boys who are economists, who are lawyers, who understand uh, the electoral moral practice, what they must do. So you must invest. You just don't... Uh, pitch up at the Olympics and think you're going to win a gold medal without having trained for it. All right. Okay. Um, I think uh, that's a good place to end. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Temba Mliswa, for joining us today. Um, we do hope that as the time goes on, as things develop, as we move closer to 2018, you'll be kind enough to Join us again on the platform. Maybe we'll bring in someone else that you can sit with and debate with. <laughs> and you just know. let you do it. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to, to have uh, Honorable Sevia Kasukwere. I'd love to have uh, uh, Bebe, the commissars of these parties, and then really ask them what they're doing and who are their candidates and what their candidates are doing. Should we bring the boxing gloves? <laughs> there's no point. There's no point. Um, you're on. You're on Twitter now. You're quite active on Twitter these days. Um, mm. Or is that a managed no, account? No, it's 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 the constituency. It's the constituency. You know, when you're in Rome, you do as the Romans do. So you know, uh, when I was in Urungwe, there was no point for social media. They were hardly on smartphones. But we tend to update people, and the people of Norton require that uh, demand that I update them on Twitter and, and Facebook and so on. But on Facebook, we're very strong. You follow a lot of what we do in the constituency every day. It would be a good, I'm not saying this to praise myself, but people must really follow our Facebook page. And we that's do, at Norton constituency. Yes, we do. We do quite a, that, that's the Twitter, uh, but it's Norton constituency. 
uh, and uh, you can see what we do today was with people living with disabilities, talking to them, their critical uh, constituency in, in, in Zimbabwe. We must take care of them. All right. All right. Thank you very um, much. You've been listening to Politics and Beyond on Capital 263. My name is Christopher Farai Charamba uh, at Chris Charamba on all social media. At uh, Henry BT on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere. And yeah, um, cheers for listening, guys. Um, this is uh, Capital 263. Free to say it. Uh, free to do it. Cheers. cheers. <laughs> and now. And now. Capital 263.